Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome, everybody. We will get started. How many people here for the first time tonight? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to anybody tuning in for the first time on Zoom. Against the Stream is a place where um, hopefully my intention anyways is, is to be able to teach the Dharma, teach Buddhism, meditation, the, the Buddha's teachings. Um, and one of the important parts of having a meditation center is a place to develop community and that we actually have a home. And this is our Sangha is the Buddhist word for community. Our Sangha is home and uh, we can be here and connect. And, um, and so I'd like to begin class by asking uh, people to introduce yourself to some people you don't know, because that's one of it's, it's hard to meet people in meditation for some reason. <laughs> While you're meditating, it's hard to meet people. But I really feel as the Buddha's teachings uh, guide us, that it's a central part of Buddhism to meet meditate other meditators, to meet other people on the street and to develop some community. So I'm going to talk about generosity tonight. So um, as one of the central teachings, uh, if you reflect for a moment on your relationship to generosity, is it easier for you to give or receive? You know, because I'm going to also I'm going to talk about both the importance of giving and the Buddhist teachings on generosity and giving, but also the flip side of receiving as part of our practice, receiving what's offered, receiving when somebody's kind, generous. Um, and some people find receiving much more challenging than giving the vulnerability of accepting um, easier to be in the power position of giving. Um, so reflecting on that for a moment and then, um, finding some, finding someone in the room that you don't know yet and have a brief conversation about, or you can do two, two or three people, uh, about giving and receiving and how that is for you in your life. And online, I'm going to put you in breakout groups. Thank you for doing that and reflecting together on giving and receiving. Um, some ways meditation is an act of uh, giving all of our attention to ourselves and also receiving it. And so there's a way in which it's this generous act of, I'm gonna sit here and be uncomfortable and deal with my mind and whatever it's doing and sensations and and I'm going to give my full attention to my moment-to-moment -moment experience, and then I'm also going to receive it. I'm going to let it let my own attention be received, and my own uh, intentions of kindness and of compassion and of forgiveness. And and so I think we can frame meditation uh, as an act of both giving and receiving. And maybe there's a more complicated conversation about which part of us is giving and which part of us is receiving and who's the meditator, who's, who's meditating. 
who's receiving it, who's, um, so we won't go down that rabbit hole right now, but we will um, have a period of meditation together. So find a way to sit that's upright, relaxed, And as you're ready, allow your eyes to be closed. And give your full attention to the present time experience. Letting go of the past and the future, we bring our awareness into the present time, experience of sensation in the body, awareness of emotion, of energetic experience, as well as mental thoughts and emotions. Establishing an intention to be patient, to be kind, to be accepting, to be friendly towards your own moment-to-moment experience. Trying not to set up meditation as another thing that we can fail at. Just the intention to accept our experience just as it is, this body, this heart, mind. Becoming aware of what you're feeling. With an attitude of friendliness and acceptance. And for most, it's suitable to focus the attention on the sensations of the breath. Let everything else recede, the thoughts, the other sensations, the other sense doors. Bringing the sensations that the breath creates to the foreground as the focus of our attention, present time, non-judgmental, kind awareness of the sensations of the breath. Breathing in, know that you're breathing in, receive the sensations the breath creates. 
Breathing out, know that you're breathing out. And when the attention is drawn into thinking about something else, a plan, a memory, disengage from that thought. Gently return the attention to the breath. Everybody gets involved in the thoughts. We're not trying to stop the mind from thinking. But in this first foundation of mindfulness, we're trying to ignore the mind as we give our full attention to the body sitting. And the breath for most is a form of sensation that's constantly happening that we can give our attention to. Connecting, sustaining awareness of the breath or returning as often as you need to without judgment, with patience and perseverance, investigating the sensations of the breath. The Buddha said that Mindfulness of the breath itself would teach us most of what we need to learn, would reveal the Dharma, the truth of impermanence, the unsatisfactory nature of impermanent phenomena, 
and the impersonal or not self way that the body just breathes all by itself. No breather, just sensation being received by awareness. Attempting to stabilize the attention on the object of the breath. When the attention is drawn back into thinking, just knowing, thinking, becoming aware this is a plan, a fantasy. The mind is worrying or resenting whatever it's doing, becoming aware of that. not a problem, it's natural, allowing your attention to come back to the sensations in the body, sitting, breathing, disengaging from the mind, returning to the body over and over.
And you can choose to stay with the breath and body as the focus of your attention, mindful, receptive, kind awareness towards the breath with the body. You can begin to expand the Buddha's encouragement to become inclusive of your heart, your mind, the sense doors, sound and sight, smell and taste. Rather than ignoring the mind, treating the mind just as you do the breath, as you receive the breath arising, passing, becoming aware that thoughts are also arising and passing.
investigating the feeling tones of the thoughts in the mind, whether your mind is planning or remembering. How do the thoughts feel? Is it a pleasant thought your mind is creating or unpleasant? perhaps neutral when sounds or sensations in the body images arise something calls for your attention inquire into the feeling tone is this pleasant or unpleasant or neutral
Mindfulness reveals the arising and passing of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral sensations in the body, in the heart, in the mind, the sense doors. Begins to teach us to let go, not cling or try to keep the impermanent phenomena. But to meet it all with friendliness, with kindness. Becoming more compassionate towards our own pain. Becoming less attached to our own comfort, pleasure. And continue to be mindful. You can spend the last few minutes doing loving kindness, saying to yourself, May I 
be happy just as I am. May I be at ease just as I am. May I be free from suffering, from the clinging, the aversion, the self-centeredness that causes suffering. May I be free. May I be happy. May I be at ease. May I be free over and over as a generous aspiration for yourself. And then receiving these kind, loving, kind thoughts. As much as you can. Remembering your worthiness of your own kindness. Extending these thoughts of loving kindness to the people sitting next to you is an act of generosity, kindness. Just as I wish for my own ease, freedom, happiness. I also wish for your freedom from suffering. May you be at ease. May you be happy, the kind of happiness that is probably closer to contentment, sense of well-being. Include the whole Sangha in your well-wishing. Everybody here in the room tonight, everybody joining on Zoom. Extending loving kindness. For the whole community.
And as you are sending, there's about 45 people online. So extending loving kindness to each one of them. About 40 people in the room. And then pause to reflect that there's 80 people sending loving kindness to you. Wishing for your happiness. Wishing for your freedom, for your ease. And just breathe that into your heart, receiving. The goodwill, the generous thoughts of others. And then as a community all together, extending this loving kindness outward in all directions. To all living beings, those near and far away, those being born and those dying. The friendly and the unfriendly, the wise and the unwise, the kind and the unkind met with loving kindness. May all beings be at ease. May all beings be free from the aversion, the anger, the hatred that causes suffering. May all beings experience the true happiness that is possible to experience in this lifetime.
it's said that uh, often the Buddha's first teaching when people came to him seeking enlightenment, um, that it began with teachings on generosity. He didn't start with mindfulness. He didn't say, oh, you want to wake up? Here's how to meditate. He said, first, uh, learn how to give. Learn the importance of giving. Of course, it's impossible to know if that's true or if that's just a religious trick <laughs> to try to trick people into supporting the monks and nuns, the Dharma centers. It's impossible to know if it's true. But let's assume that it's true, that the Buddha started with teachings on generosity and that this is the... Um, why? Why would, why would we need to focus on generosity? Why not just meditate? Why is, why is giving so important? And so I've asked myself this question, and maybe you have some, some thoughts about it. Um, what makes sense to me is that uh, so much of our suffering comes from our self-centeredness, from our craving, you know, the second noble truth, the cause of suffering is craving, clinging. And so if we're creating our suffering by our attachment, our clinging, then it makes sense, like, start letting go. Generosity as an act of non-clinging, as an act of a life lived on what can I get and keep is a life of suffering. A life of how can I help? What can I give? How can I be of service? What can I share my resources? less suffering. So just on a practical level, uh, makes sense to me. I believe that actually the outcome of awakening, when you follow the Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, if we look at the Buddha's life's example, um, and this is a little bit confusing to me, but for his search for enlightenment, didn't have much service in it, not much generosity. He actually walked away from his family and went out and meditated for seven years. And when he came to his awakening, he then spent the rest of his life, over 40 years, giving the Dharma, sharing, teaching the importance of, of generosity, giving away his time, his energy, um, setting up a community that uh, you know, nothing was charged for, everything was free, the, the teachings were freely offered, and intentionally setting up a community where uh, the monks and nuns, the renunciates, were dependent on the generosity of others. They weren't allowed to work, they weren't allowed to have money, they weren't allowed to keep food overnight which set up a system of generosity and dependence where, uh, you know, in order to eat, someone had to give it to you. Somebody had to put it, the food in your bowl. You, I don't know if you know this, but in the Theravadan monastic system, you can't even say, uh, help yourself to that, uh, you know, food over there. They can't take it unless you hand it to them. 
And part of the perspective there is that the Buddha understood the importance of us giving and also of receiving. And if you're a renunciate, that dependence and that I'm going to live on the alms, on the, the generosity of, of others, interconnected, interdependent relationship. There's a often quoted uh, teaching where the Buddha said something like, um, if you actually come to understand, if you understood the importance of generosity and how um, integral it is in our own liberation, he said, you would not let a single meal go by where you didn't share some of your food with others. And... Um, and on this planet where tens of thousands of people starve to death every day, still, this planet of abundance, children are starving to death, just like they were 2,600 years ago in the time of the Buddha. He, he understood that. He saw the poverty. He saw how you know, uh, people were clinging to their food and not sharing it and clinging to their wealth and not sharing it. And here we are 2,600 years later and, you know, in the kind of most abundant culture on the planet. And, and there's plenty of poverty right here in, in this culture. Um, and people don't have enough food. And certainly on other parts of the planet, there are people who are literally starving to death every single day, every single day, thousands and thousands of people, mostly children, dying because there's not enough food for them. And it's not that there's not enough resources, plenty of food. We just, uh, we humans, we're part of it. We, we want to kind of separate ourselves, right? But we humans um, aren't letting it get there the greed, the hatred, the self-centered, I, me, mine, doesn't let the resources get to where they need to get to. So that's meant to bum you out a little bit. <laughs> Look at the reality and, you know, you hear that. When I hear that, I'm like, yeah, fucking generosity is important. It can also feel this, uh, feeling of like, well, how do I, how do I help? What can I do? I'll share my food, but who do I share it with? Uh, how do we get the food to the other side of the planet where it needs to go? Well, and the, in that same teaching on generosity, he said, you know, the, the importance of generosity and the, there's in Buddhism, you know, we're talking about karma, cause and effect, positive acts. Generosity is a wholesome karmic action, giving. He said, but the merit, the, the outcome, the positive karma that comes from generosity is not based on um, the size of your gift. That... Um, He's, and he, he uses the example when he's talking about feeding people. He says, you know, a wealthy person could feed thousands of people because they have all of the resources to do it. And 
they could feed thousands, you know, millions of people. Um, is it, but, you know, somebody with less resources, a, a poor person could, you know, after their meal, simply um, clean out the, the bowl that they've been eating with, with some water and feed the fish in the pond. And just that sort of simple, like, you know, just the leftovers to, uh, to the fish. He said, maybe the same karma as when you have very little, giving very little, but giving something. Then when you have a lot, you know, that it's not based on like this sometimes. And I know I've fallen into this, uh, uh, especially my early practice of like really wanting to be generous to the meditation centers or to the monks or I'm feeling like, oh, I don't, I'm struggling to pay my own rent. How can I help? Um, and, and feeling like, well, is my $10 donation even doing anything, but still doing it, still saying like, yes, I can, you know, if I can afford to, you know, go to the show or the movie or whatever, I can afford to give to the monks or the Dharma centers or whatever. Um, I feel like generosity and the karma that we're the breaking the self-centeredness, some of it is literally uh, monetary and giving. And it's an interesting question. Like how much of your income do you give away? Is it, is it even, is there a percentage? I know in some spiritual and religious traditions, there's like an encouragement, 10%. Do any of us actually give 10% of our income? Maybe some of you give more than that. Maybe some of you, but is that even on our radar? Giving 10%. I didn't do it, but there's a, um, I thought I thought I was going to do it, but then I never really followed through with it. I think my ex-wife was doing it for a little while where with, with our kids, um, doing a thing where you say, you know, here's your allowance. And your allowance is, let's say it's $15. You get 15 bucks and you have uh, three jars or three shoe boxes or whatever. And five of that, you know, you have to split the 15 into three parts. And five of that um, goes into, you can spend it on anything you want. That's your five. <laughs> and five of that goes into you have to give it away. You get to choose where you give it, but you, this is to be offered to someone else. You don't get to keep it. And then five is invested. Five for the future, five for now, five for someone else. And, you know, just as a, something for us to think about, our relationship to money, our relationship to, nope, all 15 is for me and I'm gonna spend it all on myself. <laughs> I'm not going to invest shit. I'm going to spend it. Or maybe you have the mentality of like, no, no, I'm putting all of that away. 13 bucks gets invested. Two bucks for me. I need to have lots. I can spend two. 13 gets, you know, put away. Looking at our own relationship to money and generosity and spending and donating and investing and You know, the Buddha addressed relationship to money over and over. 
uh, in the Eightfold Path. As part of our path to awakening, the importance of earning money in a way that's not causing harm to anyone else, right livelihood. In other places, he talked about the importance of being frugal with our money, about being generous with our money, about being mindful of our relationship to money. And if we look at your life, how much suffering have you had around thinking you don't have enough? How often have you had the thought, um, I can kind of, I'll be happy and I can relax when I have this much. If I had this much savings or if I had this much income or if I had this much how stressed is it when you don't have enough, when you're feeling broke? And there's that fear that comes up of like, shit, am I going to have what feels like enough to us in that moment? And how often have you uh, got to where you thought you'd be happy? I remember that, like being young and when I started making 20 bucks an hour, I was like, man, I'm fucking killing it. <laughs> 20 bucks an hour work. I was working in hospitals for a long time. I was like, and then I work the night shift. I work overtime. I'm making in my 20s. I'm like, I'm making 30 bucks an hour. I'm fucking rich. So good. I can totally go to Thailand next year. I'm saving it. Going on retreat. I've got plenty of money making like 50 grand a year and thinking like, yes, this is amazing. And then later being like, fuck, I'm only making 50 grand a year. I can't even pay rent, especially on the West side. <laughs> I'm super broke. And just how the kind of target changes and, and our relationship to, to money and, um, and when we're feeling like, oh, I've got plenty to give. And when we're feeling like I don't have enough to give. And I guess, the, you know, the core teaching here is um, we always have enough. And giving doesn't have to be financial. I, I, there's a piece of it that's like always give some of your money away. I think that's, that's a core Buddhist encouragement. Always give some of your money away. You don't have to give, this is not a pitch to, for, it's not a fundraiser for against the stream. You don't have to give it, you know, you get to choose where you give it, but always give some of your money away. Be generous, find places, whether it's world hunger, whether it's environmental activism, animal activism, um, find worthy places, spiritual communities. If you find that, that, they're worthy, um, but find places and, and make sure to consider this. Consider financial generosity on whatever level is appropriate for you. Even if it feels meager, even if it's 10 bucks here and there. Beyond donating and financially sharing our resources with others and worthy recipients, um, the importance of service. And I feel like generosity and some of this I learned from Buddhism, a lot of this perspective I got from recovery, addiction recovery, and, and the importance of breaking our self-centered tendencies, I, me, mine, by saying, how can I help 
Can I be of service to you? Can I listen? Can I uh, take you to a meeting? Can I take you to detox? Can I take you to coffee? Uh, just giving our energy and our uh, awareness to each other. And I show you what I've done, sponsoring, what we call in refuge recovery, mentoring, picking up the phone. The importance of, uh, you know, sometimes people here at the meditation center um, often have said, you know, I don't have much money to donate, but can I help clean up? Can I? Can I be of service to this community? Beautiful to do that. Like it doesn't have always, our generosity doesn't always have to be monetary. Sometimes it's just time and energy and being of service in that way. So, can we all agree, I don't know, any, any, before I go on, any questions about, any thoughts about like the importance of generosity, of giving? Um, does it make sense for your own liberation, the importance of giving? That is not just like to be a good person, but to break our self-centered, I, me, mine, clinging, craving, causing our own suffering, the importance of becoming more relaxed with our resources, with our time, with our energy, more compassionate, more loving, more externally present and not so in here, head up our own ass all the time. How can I help? That's the core question, feeling. And my sense is unlike the Buddha, rather than waiting until you're fully enlightened and then spending the rest of your life giving it away, for me, it's been such a huge part of my healing, of my recovery, of my search for awakening. How can I help? And it works to break our self-centeredness, becoming other-centered. Um, my father, in his book, Gradual Awakening, he talked about, he said, the greatest gift is the act of giving itself. Traditionally, three kinds of giving are spoken of. There's beggarly giving, which is when we give with, one, give with only one hand, still holding on to what we give. In this kind of giving, we give the least of what we have and afterwards wonder whether we should have given at all. You ever have that sort of like generosity remorse? <laughs> Did I leave too big of a tip? Did I? Should I have given that away? Maybe I should have kept it. A little bit of remorse. Another kind of giving is called friendly giving, in which we give open-handedly. We take what we have and share it because it seems appropriate, and it's a clear giving. Then there's the type of giving that's called kingly giving, queenly giving. That's when we give the best of what we have, even if none remains for ourselves. We give the best we have instinctively with graciousness, 
We think of ourselves only as temporary caretakers of whatever has been provided, as owning nothing. There is no giving. There is just the spaciousness which allows objects to remain in the flow. He goes on to say, we've all experienced these kind of, kinds of giving in our lives, giving from us and giving to us. We all know what it feels like when we hold on to what we give, when we're giving attached to a particular response to the gift. Will I be loved because I gave this gift? We're attached to ourselves being the giver. It's not such a wholesome giving. We've also given when we felt it was just right to let something go into another's hands. Just let it flow right through. That's the kind of giving that comes through people who are healers. They don't hold on to it. The life energy moves right through them. There's no one healing. There's just healing coming about. That's the kingly kind of giving. More generally, as we grow into ourselves, we find ourselves giving, sharing open-handedly and honestly. That feels good. That brings us to the kind of friendship, the kind of love that nurtures our growth. Indeed, giving can become a whole practice in itself. It is possible to open ourselves to a kind of ongoing giving that holds nothing back, that allows us to give away even our anger and our fear. It is that kind of giving that we begin to practice, that we bring to practice, that we cultivate uh, as we cultivate our attention to the breath. That's the kind of giving that encourages a spacious mind. It is simply letting go of non-holding, which claims nothing for itself. The most wonderful gift we can give is ourselves, to let go of ourselves to, so that we can experience what we are afresh each moment as though it were a gift. If we can treat everything that comes to us as a gift, as a kind of grace, then we can give ourselves away, holding to nothing, letting go lightly. We give the mind away. We give the body away. We just let it all disappear back into the flow as it passes by. We experience it all and give it all away. So these three different, and we can all relate of like, yeah, sometimes I'm giving sort of open-handedly. Sometimes I'm having some remorse. Sometimes it's just like, easy, let go. But it takes practice. You know, uh, I don't know how many of you kind of came to meditation, recovery, wherever you're coming from, already into giving. I didn't. I came here in a self-centered suffering. I got to save my own fucking life because I'm killing myself with drugs. And, and then I learned to pay attention to the breath, to let go a little bit. I learned about generosity, about service. And it was counter to my instincts. I didn't want to be kind. I didn't want to be forgiving. I certainly didn't want to be generous. But I trusted what I was experiencing, what the teachings were, and the direct experience. And then slowly, over the years, it became easier to give and more natural. So let's flip the conversation a little bit. You get it. Generosity is important. You get it. Um, how about receiving? And if you're not good at receiving, maybe some of you are really good at it. You're like, yeah, totally feel worthy. Give me gifts. <laughs> Shower me with your attention and your gifts. Some of you, probably not that many of us feel that way. Actually, 
often for people, it's, it's more challenging to receive, more vulnerable, more um, dependent, more. Now, if you've ever found yourself trying to talk somebody out of doing something good for you or giving you something, and you kind of say, no, 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 thank you. I'm good. Is that part of your, I'm good. I don't need it. Uh, or somebody's trying to praise you or somebody's trying to, um, and there's a resistance and there's a like, I don't want to hear it. Keep it to yourself. Stop paying attention to me. I don't deserve it, right? Consciously or unconsciously. Like somebody's trying to buy you dinner. Somebody, you're out with friends and they're trying to pick up the bill and you're like, no, 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 we'll split it. We're going American. <laughs> Splitting it. And not allowing somebody to be generous to you. Remember that, you know, first of all, where's that coming from? The kind of not willing to be re received. Look at that. What kind of worthiness, what kind of fear of like, oh, they're going to have power over me. I'm going to owe them. What, what, is it, what is going on with you? And then try to remember by saying no to someone's generosity, you're blocking their karma. It's good for them to give, just as it's good for you to give. Giving is good. <laughs> so when we don't allow people to give to us, we're blocking their ability to create some karma that they might really need. That's what, that's what I always, that's how I fuck with people when they say, no, no. I was like, come on, I really need the karma. Please allow me. I'm desperate over here. Like, this isn't for you. This is for me. I need to give to break my clinging self-centered tendencies. So, you know, as part of the conversation and uh, giving and receiving and, and of course the loving kindness that we ended the meditation with, um, there's a, a place in the Buddha's teaching where he says, if you, uh, could, if you search the whole world, you would never find any living being more worthy. And in this context, he says, than your loving kindness. But the core, uh, he said, you never find anybody more worthy than you. But we've forgotten our worthiness. Our wounds, our societal conditioning, our whatever it is, we've forgotten that actually you are a worthy recipient. And that it's an important part of your healing, your awakening, to not just give all of the time and be in the power position of I'm giving, but to also be in the position of I'm receiving. And it's how we do community. And, and it's very important in Sangha and community fellowship to have people that you can look up to, have teachers, have mentors, have sponsors, have people who've been there before you and they're giving to you and you're receiving. They're giving you guidance and you're receiving it. It's also important to try to find some peers, people who are like, yep, we're all in this together, kind of. And then so important to have the people that are coming after you that you're being of service to. 
that you're being supportive of, that you're being kind, you're being generous to, so that sometimes we're the teacher, sometimes we're the student, sometimes we're just homies <laughs> that hopefully are practicing some giving and receiving to each other. But it's not a sort of, there's not a hierarchical thing in it. But sometimes there is. And it's important to have that. It's important for us to have people we look up to. And then also to allow people to look up to us. And that we're pulling each other up. We're, we're uh, out of our generosity. We're not trying to maintain a power imbalance. We're pulling all of each other up. giving, receiving. So some of my thoughts, we have a few minutes for dialogue. What do you think about generosity? Uh, what are your questions about this in your own life? How, how, how have you found it? What's the practical? Uh, Jeff has a, or Emily has a comment online, jump in. Of course it's Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, Emily already knows everything. Um, I wondered if <laughs> I wondered if you knew this uh, teaching. I think I might have heard it from Kusala a long time ago about like appropriate gift giving, and it's like there's some rules. Like you don't you wouldn't give a a parka to someone who lives in the in the hot desert, you know. Like and you would you don't give things that are broken or like meaningless to you, you know. Have you heard that? Or do you know um, that? It's, it sounds a little bit familiar, but go. What what what's the why did it resonate so much with you about what's appropriate and inappropriate? Because I, I mean, know, I, 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 way it resonated, I think just because um, it was so practical. It was like, you know, like good things to remember. Like, um, yeah, an appropriate gift, you know, to think about something that somebody might actually find valuable um, and to give something that's meaningful, something that's not just a piece of shit to me or that's broken, you know? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I just like it with like when the Buddha comes up with basic rules of like, you know, common sense. That's all. Well, and, and I'm not sure, you know, Kusala, who Jeff's referring to as a monk. Um, and so especially when giving to the monastics, there are, you know, some guidelines of like what you can get, what they're even allowed to receive. And then this guideline of. Um, yeah, don't give uh, a monk that lives in Thailand, uh, you know, down parka never going to use it but if you know if you got a monk up in the himalayas they're going to be that's a great gift you know where's where it's cold and and so appropriate gift giving um, there's a lot of emphasis in the buddhist teaching about um, worthy recipients making sure that you're giving to people that you feel are worthy and that you're not squandering your abundance on unworthy recipients um, I think one of the reasons I thought about this tonight is because I've been doing some Christmas shopping and, you know, it's this sort of American season of sort of forced generosity <laughs> and, you know, our kind of capitalist consumer, um, and how, how easy it is to get stuck in the like, well, I'm just supposed to. So I have, you know, I got to give my kids some shit and I'm going to get got to do it because I have to. But trying to come back to like, actually, generosity is a practice. And, and maybe Jeff's thing is like, what are, you know, really thinking and tuning into each person? Like, what's an appropriate gift for this person? Um, 
and how challenging that is when your children are completely spoiled and they have everything and they don't need anything, but you still want to give them some stuff. And I'm, I'm uh, often guilty of, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm like buying them shit in December that I should be putting under the tree, right? Instead of like, being like, instead of like saving it, you know, like I should, oh, I should put this shit under the tree rather than just taking you shopping on the 15th. I should put this shit on the, under the tree. Um, but trying to turn this sort of holiday into some of part of your practice and awareness around giving and yeah, please. Yeah. Uh, it's easy stuff because I need the karma to be able to give just because you're expecting that. Is that not just a fine line? Well, I mean, uh, my dad, Stephen, referred to that a little bit. And so there is this perspective, the kingly perspective, which is like, I'm not expecting anything and selfless giving. Great to aspire to selfless giving. And if you're there, awesome. But if you're not there, don't let it stop you from giving. Right? Uh, that's like, that's the ultimate place where we can kind of just be kind and generous and have no expectation of anything in return and our karma is so clean that we're not even worried about the karmic repercussion because but none of us are there so it's okay to just be where we're at which is like nope i got a lot of karma to purify <laughs> and i love the the benefits of generosity and it's okay to enjoy it feels good to give when it starts to feel good to give um and for me, it took a while for it to start to feel good to give. In the beginning, it was always that one-handed beggarly kind of like, oh, I don't want to fucking give. Mm. I like to do a thing. I've talked about this before. I didn't do it last year on my birthday, but sometimes on my birthday, I'll do a um, like a, a white elephant giveaway thing. You know what that is? That's like when you give gifts and then you take numbers and people can steal each other's gifts. Yeah. I like to do that, but the people that I invite to that, um, I say, you have to bring something you don't want to give away and give it away. Something that's precious, not some bullshit, but something that's precious that you're willing to release, but you don't really want to. Um, and sometimes it backfires because people are like, this is my mixtape. <laughs> from 87 and i do not want to give it away it's so precious to me <laughs> this is a postcard from the 77 pistols tour okay nobody wants that but you please uh yeah so i had a question about um i guess like being self-supporting through your own contributions and as far as like receiving um the tradition yeah uh, i guess like what's your you know sort of like being able to set like financial boundaries with other people or meeting people halfway like it can be complicated in relationships right? yeah 
Um, I feel like maybe how that will apply here, right, to the to us as individuals of like, absolutely, we want to try to get to a place with right livelihood of this factor of the Buddhist path, where we are self-supporting, self-sufficient, so that we actually have enough to be generous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully in relationships, friendships, relationships, uh, you want to be around people that also have that ability to be self-supporting through their own contributions. Uh, but there is something in my experience too, you know, you have to have boundaries at some point, but I know like there's been times in my own life where I wasn't self-supporting and I relied on the generosity of others, whether it was family or friends or, and then later when I became self-sufficient, then I could be the person that gave back. So there is something about that cycle of generosity. Um, and then there's a whole conversation about enabling and when, when, you know, the kind of worthy recipients and when are we giving to somebody who's smoking crack with it and like not, not a great idea to continue to give to them. And when is the most generous thing to say no, actually, because um, so it's complicated, but I, I like that perspective for sure of um I think it's in, totally in line with the Buddhist teaching, unless you have become a monk, which is you're going to spend your whole life not self-sufficient, totally dependent upon the generosity of others. It's part of the vow of poverty that the, the Buddhists take. But those of us who are financially independent self, use our resources to to be of service to them and then they use their resources to be of service to us with the teachings and the kind of upholding of the dharma in that way you know like a, against the stream as a model we're a non-profit organization that um, can't pay our bill our own bills because we don't have any uh income we don't sell any well i try to sell t-shirts but we don't nobody really buys them but we don't <laughs> Right, we don't have a product. We have the Dharma. And I, you know, I'm up here every Monday night giving the Dharma away, and you come in and you get to decide whether or not you give or don't give. And it's just it's such a different model than you know, where you tune into Zoom and you get to decide whether or not you follow the link and, and make a donation or you don't. And it's the kind of pseudo monastic nonprofit model, which is we're going to give you the teachings. We're going to we're going to make this available, and you get to decide how much you want to support it. We're dependent on your donations. And if people, uh, you know, I've been doing this for over twenty years, and if people weren't generous, we wouldn't continue to have meditation centers but people value it and keep being generous and keep paying the rent and supporting the nonprofit and making the donations. Um, Jeffrey, go ahead and jump in and then I'll take last two questions. Thank you, Noah. Just, um, I'm glad you brought up the Christmas season stuff because I've been struggling with that. My birthday is this month too, so it's, it's like overload. And I feel like I'm getting better at receiving graciously but the problem i struggle with is what do i do with all of this crap i keep receiving and not to be disrespectful to the gift givers but you know there's a lot of just stuff you accumulate and i'm working on like moving stuff 
out of my house and then there's like a constant influx coming in so stuck between graciously receiving but also having all this property that i want to get rid of but not wanting to throw away a gift that somebody gave me you, you know is this making sense yeah you know my dad had all of those um very 70s you know images of the flow the flow of things coming through our custody uh and so um re-gifting is a really good idea a lot of the time you know i don't know how long you have to hold on to something to out of respect for somebody giving it to you but at some point it's yours once once you've received a gift it is yours to do with as you wish and um, my own opinion on this is fine to pass that on to be like you know this is stuff that i don't really need don't really want and but maybe somebody else does this is an opportunity to just let that kind of flow through my life rather than sit on the shelf let it go pass it on to someone else that might really appreciate it or need it and then looking at um the guilt or whatever it is of like oh i'm supposed to keep it and how would i feel if somebody I was just in Santa Cruz and my mom gave me a skateboard and it wasn't the one I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a 50 year old man that doesn't really need mom to give me skateboards anymore, but she got me a skateboard. And uh, I'm totally going to give it away because it's not that, you know, it's like I've already got it. I wanted a long board. She got me another. And so I'm going to, you know, think she's not tuned in tonight. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to pass it on. Somebody's going to be stoked on that skateboard. Pass it on. Um, last one. So you, uh, about the family thing, uh, I think it's really interesting. My, my uh, father, who's been dead for 10 years now, his birthday was last weekend and my brother and I go out to, go out to his grave site every year and, you know, that's a thing. And my son's birthday is going to be nine on the 16th. July, and, and the whole holiday thing, Jesus Christ, it is such a nightmare for me in a way because it's just there's so much expectation around giving, receiving, and what a family is supposed to be like, what it is, and what it's not. And I've been sitting with this for about a week now. And I thought it was really uh, a really, this is the first time I've heard you speak since you brought your father's work into your talk. I, I'm sure you have before. It's a little personal for you, so I'm, I, but this is something you've shared publicly too. And I was thinking about when your father passed and you were sitting with the Sangha and you had a conversation and someone just straight up asked you about your dad. Like, and, and you said, I'm not sure if he was a good father, but he was an excellent teacher. And I thought, what an amazing gift for you to be able to teach your father's work in this environment and pass it on in a way uh, that really spoke to me and the way that I had my relationship with my father who passed away. And I think the giving of a gift in that way is so much more, <clears throat> whether it's stuff or whether it's the Dharma or whether it's finding a way to find generosity within yourself to accept those things in your life that you can parse through maybe in that way. Yeah. It just, it was a really particular kind of generosity that I thought that you showed tonight. Um, and if you know the context of that, it's was super important to me to see you do that. Um, and I just wanted to 
Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, yeah, this book is this is this this book was my like. I've got some issues with my dad, as you know, but this book was like my Bible, right? The Gradual Awakening uh, was like the first Dharma book that I read, and it um, made sense, and it started me on this whole path. And so, you know, the fact, I, I think I know, like there's some other people nodding that have read the book. I think that, you know, of course it's my dad, so that's meaningful on some levels, but it's also just a really good book. And so even though I um, have some dukkha around my father and his death and, uh, and his subpar parenting and all of that stuff, uh, I still really appreciate the teaching so much. Um, You know, I want to end with my mom, who's a member of the Sangha, um, is in the hospital and had a surgery and um, it didn't go well. And she's like, they're keeping her longer and they have to do another surgery. And so it's been kind of heavy on me these last couple of days and today. And so I'd like to end with a kind of group. Um, we always offer merit at the end. And it is thought that we can offer merit to specific people. And not all of you know my mom, Patty, but she like runs my website and registers for retreats. And she's at class on Zoom every week and she's part of our community. So if you'd gather the merit from our class tonight and just maybe send her some loving kindness and some generosity of heart, and just think about Patty who's up in the hospital in um, Stanford and Palo Alto and having some difficulty with her uh, heart and healing and um, so many goodness that comes from our class tonight, our meditation, our discussion of the Buddha's Dharma uh, be shared with Patty up there and, um, and then also outward in all directions with all other living beings as well. So may each one of us do what needs to be done to find the freedom we seek and together, let's uh, start a revolution. See you next week. Um, class is done by donation. Please be generous. I don't need to belabor that point. Um, and uh, see you next week at home. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.